episode 10. Mm, mm. Double digits. So, and, um, um, the, this, uh, so I made some comments last week about our friends not really listening to this. And I've had no blowback from any of our friends. So clearly I was right. <laughs> um, That'll do just now, don't care. Yeah. Hori has previously had a podcast. Mm-hmm. How many episodes did that make it to? I think like I, I feel like saying six, but I could be wrong. It felt like it was more than that. It felt like it was more than that. It might have been. But it's so I thought weird, I thought just I like, thought we hadn't overtaken them yet. The big maybe we haven't, but the big uh, the big COVID hit, and then that just kind of killed everything. Yeah, it so, fell by the wayside. Rip CDL this week. We, we'd either have just passed it, or we're about to pass that. Hey. I mean, I could anyway, find out. How how has your week been, Horry? My week's been busy. It feels like it's yeah. been a busy week of work, and also constantly forgetting to book my ticket to go see Batman to literally <laughs> yesterday. So you had forgotten until I reminded Well, you. okay, so it wasn't necessarily like I'd forgotten. It but was it wasn't more... at the front of your mind. Well, here's, here's the way my brain works is, it was like, from Friday, I was like, okay, probably go at the weekend, um, was my <laughs> original plan. And then it's like, playing games or doing work, whatever, I just completely forget to book a ticket or like or sort out when I'm going to go to watch it. And it gets to the end of the day and I'm like, ah, I didn't go see Batman. Do that tomorrow. Uh, and then that repeated. And then it was like, Monday, I was like, okay, I need to go see Batman today. And then I get distracted with work and completely forget. And I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to see Batman. But then because of the deadline of this podcast, literally the first thing I did yesterday was like, I need to book a ticket for Batman <laughs> because if I don't go, if I didn't go last night, there was no way I was going today <laughs> with my sleep <gasps> at the moment. Like, oh no! So it was less forgetting, more getting distracted. Okay, but I mean, we saw it; it's fine. It worked out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be fresher in your mind than it is in mine. Yeah. How how has um, week been? It has been. A very long and tiring process. This week has really taken it out of me. Um, but it's good. I'm glad we're doing this. I've been looking forward to this one. Um, because like anyone who's listened to even a second of any of the like, last four or five episodes knows how high my expectations for the Batman were. Yeah, um, we've been talking about this for a few yeah, episodes I mean, now. It's, it's all we've really had. It's been, been slim pickings. It has. Um, but Quickly, we're here, we made it. I have checked, CDL this week got to episode 10, so we are currently matching. Okay, cool. So as long as we don't have <laughs> creative it, it differences fall between apart this, now? yeah, it all fucking <laughs> falls know. to pieces. I could, I could just swing in with a very bold uh, opinion <laughs> on Batman that just kills this. <laughs> but I'm, I'm like... Um, okay, cool. So I get to ch- chat shit to Cam next week. Good to know. Um... <laughs> Okay, uh, let's sort of get straight into this because we've got a lot to talk about anyway, and this is probably our longest intro. Um, so we are back on the character profiles again this week. We took a little break last week because, I mean, I guess you could say that entire episode was a character profile of our friend Luke. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we're back with like an actual character character profile. 
Um, this week, I thought it'd be cool for this week and for the next few weeks to discuss some characters we might see coming up in any potential sequels to the Batman. So I thought it was only natural to start with uh, Dick Grayson, the original Robin, Nightwing. Um, so just talk about some of him. I know a lot of people know him at this point, but there's a couple of interesting things on here. Um, so Dick Grayson is the original Robin. He is the original Boy Wonder, part of the dynamic duo. Um, he first debuted in 1940. Jeez. Yeah, within within a year of Batman, they decided the man was too dark and gritty and that he needed a youthful sidekick. Of course. Um, and when he was first introduced, he was eight years old. Now, I know there's some rule on child labor law. <laughs> yeah. Um, but not only has he been Robin, he was also Nightwing. And while being Robin and also being Nightwing, he became the leader of the Teen Titans, uh, which has included characters like Cyborg, who's now a Justice League member, Raven, Starfire, lots of other characters like that. Beast Boy. 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 Um, so... When he originally became Nightwing was when the character was just becoming an adult. Um, they'd had a fight with the Joker that had gone nearly very badly for um, Dick. And he, Batman, out of fear, kind of retired him, mm -hmm. um, which led to quite a big argument. And he then said, well, F you, then I'm going to go do my own thing. Um, and he almost did give up crime fighting for a little while, but then he decided he was going to go and be his own hero in his own right and get out of the shadow of Batman. Mm -hmm. And after talking to Superman, who um, thinks very highly of Dick Grayson, now this is where sometimes the story changes slightly, just so we're clear, but okay. the original story was Superman told him about some legends of heroes on Krypton. Um, about how there was this guy, a vigilante, similar to Batman, who no one knew their name, they worked through the shadows, and they helped people. Um, and he was only ever known as Nightwing. And Superman mm -hmm. asked him if he would use that name. So Superman gave Dick the title of Nightwing, based on an old Kryptonian legend. That's cool. Um, and Dick has also, on two occasions, been the Batman. Um, never for very long, um, and only when everyone thought Bruce was dead. But he has been the Batman on two brief occasions. Both of them have darkened the character up a little bit. He's not been able to hold on to that same witty, very charming, personable, almost Spider-Man-esque energy mm. um, as hard afterwards. It has darkened the character a little bit, but Dick Grayson is still Dick Grayson. Mm. Um, he is an absolute expert fighter. He's been trained from Batman since the age of eight years old. He is just as good a physical threat as Batman is. Um, because yeah. he's been he's been doing it, I mean, he's been doing it as long as Batman, but since he was younger, the, the kid is an Bread. absolute weapon. Yeah. Bred to be a weapon. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and he's an even better gymnast because obviously he's part of Flying Grayson's before his parents died. And he was eight years old when they died and he'd been a gymnast before that. Um, 
in every sense of the word, he is in peak human form, peak human condition. As strong as a human is, as fast as a human is, as agile as they are, to the point where he's almost superhuman in the sense of he's just normally for someone to be that strong, that fast, and that you only get to be one of them things in like the real world. Like Usain Bolt, yeah, he gets to be the fastest man about, but you know what? That means he's not the strongest. Yeah. The fact that Dick Grayson is right at the very top across the board is bordering on superhuman, in my opinion. But as is the same with Batman, they are the top, top of every measurable of a human. Yeah. Um, the way I tend to view Dick Grayson's character is Dick is all of the good of Batman. He is that wanting to help refusing to let corruption sit, not wanting to kill the bad guys, just keep fighting, nothing's ever going to stop him. You can't break his spirit, you can't break his will. He will do whatever it takes to stop people. He's all of the good of Bruce Wayne, but without that darkness of my parents died and I don't trust anyone and this and that. And I think that's how Bruce always wanted him to be. Bruce is very aware that he's a flawed person. Yeah. So I think he kind of saw a bit of himself in Dick when Dick's parents died and went, I can make this guy all of the good things about me and try and protect him from the bad things I've become. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen that perfectly in Dick Grayson. And I'll talk about how the Batman's influenced the other Robins as we go through them. But I think Dick is, in my opinion at least, just... If you take all the bad out of Bruce Wayne, you get left with Dick Grayson. Um, yeah. And I don't think there's any better way to describe that. Um, he's a very interesting character who's interacted with a lot of people in different ways. We've seen him as a sidekick, as a leader, as a co-hero, I guess. Yeah. Um, we've seen him have to take up the role of Batman, which obviously means a lot to him. We've also seen him not wanting anything to do with Batman. Um, so I've got a comment linked down below it is the rebirth first volume nightwing um this is i believe a bit of a dark take on him to show kind of what he's battling but still mm. managing to stay on the light side um i think it's one of the better starting points that you can easily find at the moment for getting into nightwing comics but if you don't want to start there just do a little bit of reading on him work out, find maybe even a mini-series that he's a part of that you like the sound of and start from there. Um, the yeah. best place to start with a comic book is by picking it up. Um, so you'll, you'll, you'll pick it up as you go. While I wouldn't say he's a complex character, he also doesn't give you anything. There's a lot there to enjoy. Yeah. He's so, yeah. Cool, Robin. Yeah, the, he, he's the OG. Yeah. He's the one that, despite being a serial womanizer, everyone joked was gay. Um, I refuse to believe he's not bisexual, but that that man, that man loves his ladies. Um, so yeah, any questions? Not for me. I've like the Grace is probably the one that I know of the most. Yeah. Um, because I know that like he then went on to become Nightwing. I guess it's then the ones after that, like the ones in the next few weeks, I'll probably have less knowledge on. Um, yeah, oh, really yeah, I, I had to do, 
I had to do less research for Dick than mm. I will for the other guys because that's just I mean he's he's been around from the forties. There's a lot there yeah. that has has fallen through into our childhoods. Oh yeah, he's shown up loads. So exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So we are going to discuss the Batman now, but what we're going to do first is have a bit of a spoiler-free discussion. Yes. Um, so if you want to hear what we've got to say, you're still safe to listen. We'll keep this part spoiler-free. And then for those who've already seen it and want to know our thoughts about individual moments, we'll then have a spoiler discussion about it. Yeah. There we go. That's out of the way. So you're still safe for now, people. Um, I think the best place to start is just a straight up rating out of 10. Okay. Have you got one in mind, Horry? Yes. I'm going to say... I would probably say 9, 9.5. I think I probably agree with you. I'm less likely to give it a nine and a half. Um, but definitely, definitely a nine. Um, and what I will say is I'm pleasantly surprised with the res- reception it's had, because um, I think I said on here last week that I was going with three people to see it at midnight, and I, in my head, I was going, at least one, probably two of these guys aren't going to like it based on what I've heard, um, because it's not your traditional superhero film, it is a detective noir story. I really thought that my girlfriend, my dad or my brother would go, oh, I was expecting this to be a bit more entertaining, I guess. And I know that sounds silly because it was very entertaining, but more obviously entertaining. More like over-the-top more... comic booky stuff. Yeah, more like action entertaining. Yeah. But like what I will say is, before I talk about everything else I loved about the film... I have never seen a detective noir story done so accessibly. Yeah, I know what you mean. It 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 felt very easy to watch. Yeah, it didn't like it was very easy to kind of follow along. But yet still uh, be surprised at things. Yes. I guess. I, I, I um I completely agree. Um, my big complaint with DC films for a while has been the lighting. Um, they want it to be this dark film because it's all about these really like powerful emotive themes, but then you just can't see what's going on. It's, it's like a really recurring problem, and I, I was a little bit worried that that might happen again. But I don't think there was a single moment in this film, despite how dark it was, where I was going, I can't see what's happening. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think visually, in the cinematography and the way that like the style it was filmed with lighting and everything was done really well. And when there were the scenes where it was very dark, it was for a reason, and mm-hmm. it wasn't like stuff. They used it in a way, in the way of storytelling. It wasn't just that. Oh, this is all happening in darkness. Like it was exactly. used in a moment to kind of sell something like story, yeah. like a story beat. I think all of the actors were phenomenal in their roles. I think, I think yeah, I think Zoe Kravitz was a phenomenal Catwoman. Yeah. Um, 
my dad didn't even realise it was Colin Farrell under all that penguin makeup. Yeah, you really couldn't tell. You couldn't tell at all. And Colin Farrell's done interviews talking about it, and he was like, he found he was really worried about it at first, but he found it so liberating because he was really able to become the character. Um, and I think it set an incredibly high standard with prosthetics and stuff, um, yeah. and an absolutely phenomenal performance from Colin um, to to carry that um, role in such a powerful way. Yeah, he did a great job as a penguin. Um, Robert Patterson was exactly as I hoped. He really lent into this um, detective noir story to show his acting chops off, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I'd even potentially say he's now one of my more favourite Batmans. Oh, without a doubt. Um, my only complaint character-wise was I would have liked a bit more screen time for Andy Serkin's Alfred. Yeah, I thought, thought you'd say something like that. Every moment he was on the screen, he was amazing, and I just wanted more of him. Yeah, I I agree in that. I think his role, and trying to keep this spoiler-free, I think the role he played fit perfectly and was yeah done very from well a, added, yeah. but yeah obviously I, you always want more from a, from a storytelling perspective they didn't need any more of him no and it does make sense with the themes of the film why we saw such so little of him hmm. uh, I just I was really enjoying that performance um, and I hope we see more of him and I hope in the future installments we get more screen time from him yeah, same. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm not sure how much more we can say <laughs> yeah, I'm trying without to, I'm getting trying to... in spoiler territory. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I'm going to say where I'm going to use an example that will include a spoiler that I can say without including a spoiler. Um, I think <laughs> the, I think the dialogue itself was very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I I was early on. I was a little concerned that the dialogue could end up veering towards cheesy, but it didn't. No, yeah, I, was... I think it was all very purposeful dialogue. Yeah, and they were very the whole the whole of the film was very thoughtful in everything that it did. Yes, I feel. Mm-hmm. Something that I guess I also took. Is spoiler free as I really loved the way that they portrayed Gotham visually. Yes. I think they really nailed the visual language of Gotham City. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. So, like, another reason why it's just such a, it was such a great film. Okay. I do think we're going to have to yeah. give the spoiler warning. Yeah, I think we're going into spoiler territory now. If you haven't seen the film, tune off now. Um, If you want to listen to any of the other segments from later on, but not risk skipping through, the segments will be on YouTube. You can find each of them. But yeah, we're gonna. This is where we're gonna dive in now, and this is your spoiler warning. (laughs) Yes. 
Okay, that that was like five seconds. That's yeah. plenty of time for yeah. them to change their mind. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So <laughs> I'm just gonna. We we've already talked about like how much we love the film, and I just want this my reasoning why this was like a nine. There was only a couple of small gripes that I had, and they were all visual things. Uh, one is very minor, and it's just because of my creative brain that I spotted it, and it was like moments when he was on the motorbike, and they'd do the close cut-ins of his face. There was none of like the... In the background, the lights are flashing past, but like the lighting on him never changed, and that's just a visual thing that I spotted. The one main thing oh. that bothered me was the wingsuit moment. Really? So I love the way that they did that and like, the way that it was a wingsuit and not just his cape. I love that. But the moment when he's flying through the sit-down and then it does a close cutting on his face, this might just be the way my brain is created because like, I understand some of the creative side of things. It pulled me out because it just screamed guy led on a box on a green screen. Mm, I get that. Just that split moment kind of pulled me out, and that was my only kind of gripe. And it could just be like it was one of the shots they didn't spend too much on VFX on, or whatever. Like the way they chose to do it, I don't know. It was just like my one small thing that kind of pulled me out of it. A I, think, bit. I think that's fair. Um, so obviously we were just talking about Alfred mm -hmm. and how I wanted more screen time from him. So, I, obviously, I said, I understand why for the fiends it made sense for him to not be that much in it. And that's because the whole part of this film was almost Batman learning he can't do it all himself. Yeah. He relies on Catwoman a little bit. He relies on Jim Gordon a little bit. He relies on Alfred a little bit. And then at the end of the film, he's like, he understands that hope is a part of the Batman that is needed. Yeah. Um, and also how beautiful is that scene where he's leaving everyone out after the flood. Yeah, right at the end. Beautiful. Beautiful. So well done. Shows like a um, transition moment in his like character. Yeah, well, I think you've got to remember the people of Gotham in the comics view Batman very differently to everyone in the country. Mm. In the country, they view him as this dangerous vigilante who just attacks people like a madman. Whereas in Gotham, at the schools and it like in in the places the community discussed, oh, I was I almost got mugged last week, but Batman saved me. Yeah, on a local level, they have a better understanding of him. Yes. They they know that he is there to help them and to protect them as best they can, as best he can. Um, so I think that's never really been shown that well. But I really think in this story they managed to nail down why the people of Gotham care about the Batman. Yeah, I think, um, and I think they'll do that really well carrying forward. Because like you saw at the start of the film, it was like the news, like the shot of the the news anchors, where when they were saying like there's a vigilante running around, running things. They, I think they'll really, if they flesh in future films, they flesh out things more. I think they'll really show well like how the news portrays him as this vigilante, but the local level, they kind of because of the, what happened in this film at the local level they'll remember that and know that exactly. he's there to help exactly I think 
it also showed us how the Bruce Wayne Playboy persona is necessary to Batman's success. Yeah, he needs to lean like he does still need that side of things. Yeah. And this is what I don't I think this might have thrown people slightly, but I think it's a really good way to show how Batman isn't from day one the best superhero knocking about who knows everything. No. He like we're I think they say he's been doing this for like two years at the beginning of this. Yeah. And he still hasn't worked out that by yourself in a dark room isn't the way to do it. Yeah, he's still... I think... Especially the first like the first half of the film is, a set, is definitely his attitude is he can just go in and figure it out and it'll work out. But yes. he learns that that doesn't really work and then it's he talks about like that attitude change of like he doesn't care for his own life but then when alfred gets hurt he realizes there are people important to him and i think that was a really important like shift in his mentality of okay there is that need for other people and i do care for the other people that are around me so i can't just be going full Batman mode and ignoring everything else, if that makes sense. So um, I saw, obviously, people discussing it, and superheroes have always been, in my opinion, when done right, a really good way to showcase diversity. Mm -hmm. And obviously... When you think of Batman, you don't necessarily think of him as someone who covers diversity because he's a rich white guy. But I've seen a lot of people going, the way Robert Patterson has played the Batman, it almost feels like he's got autism. Yeah, I get I get what you mean. There's like... It's hard to place what it was he was doing that made him feel so different? Because he you, he was definitely lacking social skills. He had no interest in interacting with people. He was focusing on what he was doing, and it was minimal eye contact, just focusing on what he's, focusing on what he's doing and who he's doing it with and what he needs to worry about. And the only person that could like break that attention was this woman. And it's not like Bruce Wayne has never seen a gorgeous woman before. Yeah. Do you know what I think it kind of is? Is like we've seen the Playboy Bruce Wayne. Like we've seen it loads. But the issue I think with like a very Playboy heavy Bruce Wayne character is it kind of doesn't add up to the trauma that he would have had as a child. Mm. Like, yes, you're some rich guy, but at the end of the day, like the trauma that he goes through as a kid losing his parents, like, he is going to become more closed off and closed, and it doesn't matter if he has all this money. So, like, yeah, he's going to, because yeah. of that, he's going to lack certain social skills. And I think the Rob Playboy Carson, persona was almost just to keep Gotham happy. Mm. It, yeah, it, it just... You got the sense in this that was like, I don't care. Like, yeah, I'm rich, but I really don't 
care for that persona and that having to put on that front because he just like exactly it's not an important thing to him and i think he sold um, that side of it really well yeah in the comics he regularly uses bruce wayne to like interact with your penguins and stuff mm. then they're, they're like them cut them career criminals that like push drugs and launder money and mess with the power of the city bruce wayne was always able to interact with them people because of his money and his power yeah. which is why he came up with this kind of playboy persona because if if rich also, who lost his parents is looking to score drugs. No one's surprised. Yeah, and I think we feel. I feel like we saw that. Like that sudden. There was the moment where he realized he needed to go in as Bruce Wayne into the club. He couldn't just go in as Batman. Uh huh. And that opened more doors for him. So I guess it's kind of like he. In this film, we even saw that of like him coming to realize that okay, this Bruce Wayne, that, yeah, there's usefulness to it, has its uses, and I can't keep ignoring that side of my life because it like it helps, there's benefit to exactly it, to it. Um, but I just, I'm, I, you know, and like I'm, maybe I haven't said it enough on here, but Horry knows. I hate any kind of gatekeeping of superheroes. I think superheroes are for everyone. What I'm going to say, and maybe Hori can help me if I don't phrase it correctly, is if you don't like this film, I don't think Batman is the superhero for you. Yeah, okay, I, think, I, get, I get what you're saying. It's I think of... this is the truest telling of this character. So if you didn't like this character in this form, I don't actually necessarily think you like this character as they are, but rather the way we've kind of been shown him in modern media. And I think maybe a different superhero is who you should be looking at to fill in that kind of a gap. I think anybody that is viewing this film and going, oh, this isn't a Batman film, clearly doesn't or hasn't experienced actually what batman is like as a character because maybe necessarily their only experience of batman is christian bale's batman or even just the animated series and stuff like that where it has been kind of deviates a enough but not like too far away from like the true kind of core of batman and i think as you said this film is probably the truest like cinematic form of a batman character that we've seen um just in the way that like of how he really portrayed kind of like the core parts of batman and what batman is about Whereas other films, they've kind of lent on certain aspects and ignored others. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of it's one of those where you, it's understandable why some people are not used to this Batman if all they've experienced is The Dark Knight and Christian Bale. Um, but also, like those people then shouldn't be saying this isn't Batman because it it is more Batman than they realize. Yeah, it's the most Batman we've ever seen outside of the comic book, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, no other Batman we've seen would you be able to look at that person and go, oh, they've adopted an eight-year-old boy and turned him into a crime fighter over the process of three or four years. I could definitely see in the sequel to this film them having an 11-year-old playing Robin. Yeah. And it, you wouldn't find yourself going, that looks weird in the sense of, oh, that makes no sense for this character. Instead, you'd look at it and go, that's weird for the reason it is weird of, why the fuck would you let an 11-year-old go out and fight these hardened criminals? <laughs> yeah. Um, which a lot of people seem to forget about. Um, but I, I don't want to go too much further than the film because I think we said next week or the week after once we've had some time to put it together, me and you are both going to talk about how we'd like to see this trilogy go. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of reasons to be excited for this iteration of Batman. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Reeves... I don't like the phrase, oh, Matt Reeves gets the character because at the end of the day, they're telling their version of the character every time. I do like Matt Reeves' interpretation of the character. Yeah, he's clearly shown he has a strong understanding of the character to be able to adapt it into his interpretation. Exactly. I think his writing really suits um, Robert Patterson's acting abilities, um, and I really like how they interact with one another. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I forget the actor's name and I hate that I've forgotten his name. The actor who plays Jim Gordon. Um, I can't remember I either. I think he was absolutely phenomenal as Jim Gordon. I'm a huge Gary Oldman fan as Jim Gordon. That might be my favourite interpretation of Jim Gordon. Um, granted, we didn't get to see the anti-Batman Jeff, Jim Gordon, but, but there Wright. we go, thank you. But he's been doing it for two years, so Jim Gordon's very aware of the corruption in the GCPD. He knows Batman's one of the good guys. And he's working alongside him and risking his badge like Jim Gordon would and does. And I really enjoyed that kind of kinship we felt there. Yeah, we felt they really... There was a lot of different things they did, but like that was definitely one of them where they really sold that this Batman's been around for a couple of years, like, helped sell the idea that he is new, but he's been about. There was, like, already that very well-established kind of trust and I understanding between the two of them that really sold that relationship. Um, I'm excited to see how that develops over time. And, like, the Jim Gordon character. So I think I've only got two more things I really want to talk about. Um, Yeah, we'll go for this one first. What was your favourite scene? What was my favourite scene? Yeah, I I think you're going to have the same answer as me, but we'll see. I think... I'd probably say because it's just the it's the first thing that kind of comes to mind when you said that is the moment the car the Batmobile got revealed, the car chase. Yeah, the, so this from the like the start point where they suddenly get spotted and they spray the shit out of the car and he drops and then it does the whole like 
in the shadows the batmobile starts revving up you hear like the the jet engine side of the batmobile building up and that whole build up and then turning into the car chase that honestly probably is the favorite favorite point of the scene point of the scene point of the film i i i i adored the car chase um apart from the fact it was the major bit of action for the film um it also i think there was some really good acting in it i know it sounds stupid because there was no dialogue well there wasn't really any dialogue but colin farrell's penguin showing the range of emotions while getting chased by batman and just Robert Pattinson's steel face as he's concentrating and chasing the Batman, um, chasing the Penguin down, and then ripping him out of his car. Wow, I yeah, think like, that right there was the essence that you want from a Batman interaction. Yeah, because you really, as like as in as the Penguin, you really saw kind of him go from his he went through like anger to kind of psychotic sort of joy at one point to then oh shit fear um yeah he really sold that kind of chase or like sold the idea of he realizes what he's trying to escape from but he also kind of loves it um i have a fun fact about the batmobile go on so Back in uni doing Is it that stuff. you've got me one? No, I wish I wish I had one. <laughs> I know what artist designed it. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so I don't know them personally, but I know of him. Um, back in uni when I was doing my 3D uh, design and stuff, it was an artist I came across and I followed because he does, or he has done, and he does UI. He's done a lot of UI stuff in films. So, like, an example, oh, okay. one of the ones I know he worked on was um, James Bond and Quantum of Solace. So, like, a lot of the oh, stuff okay. that's, like, on the screens in, like, films where they've got to kind of make up the story behind the data and all that interface yeah. stuff. Like, he's done that. He's also done loads of 3D work. But he put up a post. He's called Ash Fort, And he put up a post kind of finally, because he's like, I can finally talk about this. But he fully designed the Batmobile uh 3d modeled it like came up with the design from scratch and it's i think he said it's based started off he started off with a dodge charger i think yeah and then he taught like he did a little post like kind of explaining it he was saying he went through the mindset of if bruce had this in a garage how would he build the car like what how would it come together um and then he's also hidden lots of little batman iconography in it uh, and he shows a, a render he has if you look at the the batmobile from the back the way that the bodywork and everything looks it looks like the silhouette of the batman the batman silhouette so like he baked in like deep iconography into the into the actual batmobile it's it's cool. it is my favorite live action batmobile oh same it looks um it's it is so so good. It fits the character and the tone of the film perfectly. Don't get me wrong, I don't think that Batmobile would work in the Dark Knight trilogy. It would make no sense. And I therefore I don't think I'd like it as much. I think this is the most purpose built Batmobile we've seen. Um yeah, and it fits in best. 
Mm-hmm. It does. It really f- like I, Ashford, the the designer guy. He he really nailed it, and he said that he's been a huge Batman fan all his life. So he really leaned into kind of understanding where the car would have come from. So I think he nailed it, and I think then taking his design and actually turning it into the car we saw, they did a great job. And I know that oh, Robert Pattinson absolutely. has said that he. So it must. It was obviously after those car chase scenes where he was getting to drive it that he then they called cut and then he carried on driving and ran drove it around the block because he was enjoying the car so much. Like, yeah, jealous, jealous. I'd love to drive. Okay, it. and my other point is something obviously we can't avoid anymore: the uh, cameo at the end of the film, the Joker, the Joker. Are you aware of who was playing him in that cameo? I. You've told me because you. I'm guessing it's the person that you said that was rumored. Yeah, and I can't remember who that is. Um, I, I always fuck up the pronunciation of his last name. Barry Keonk. Um, he played Druig in Eternals. That was it. Um, Irish actor. I'm so sorry if I've butchered his last name. There's too many letters, and I'm dumb. Um, I really liked it. Yeah, like from. It was such a, a small kind of snippet of this Joker, but so, um, you got the feel that it was the Joker. Did you see Matt Reeves' interview about said cameo? I haven't, no. Okay, so he's given us some details about him. Okay. So he's not the Joker yet. Okay. He, he is a serial killer the Batman has already fought. An incarcerated in Arkham who has a oh, I forget the term. Um it's like a condition disfigured. Jesus Christ, sorry oh. guys. He has a disfigurement that means his face is stuck in a in a constant smile. So they're not going for scars this time. Oh, uh, okay. His muscles have seized and right. pulled his face into a smile. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hasn't yet become the Joker, but he's on that track. Um, him and the Batman have interacted before. So there's history there, which means we get to skip out a little bit of um, them getting to know each other, which I look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe it's because I'm too used to Marvel films. I don't know. That seemed to interrupt the tone slightly right at the end of wrapping stuff up. I get what you mean. It's the sort of thing we expect to see as a post-credit scene. I would have even been okay if it was just the very last scene of the film and not done of the post-credits. But the fact that we've gone into Arkham, seen this interaction, and then we come back out to see Batman interacting with Catwoman. Yeah, I get what you it just mean. just felt a bit strange to me. And maybe maybe it was just me. Maybe it's me being nitpicky. But hey, someone's got to be nitpicky. The internet loves this film. Um, I, yeah, it was, it was one of those where it's like, I guess because they'd already been in Arkham because of that's where the Riddler ends up, they were kind of trying to just... They obviously felt like because they were there with that stuff to just 
tie it in then, so they're not coming back again to Arkham. Yeah. I get that. It just it just felt like tonally it threw me off for a second. Yeah. Um, it was. Don't get me wrong. It's not. It's not a huge issue. Um, I just would have liked to have potentially seen it put in a slightly different place. I think. But overall, I think Barry can do a very good job. Um, and I'm curious to see, based on the way that the Riddler and the Penguin have been written, I'm curious to see how Matt Reeves would use the Joker. But at the same time, Batman has a brilliant rogues gallery, and we've had a lot of Joker. I'm, I hate saying this because I'm not, but I'm bordering on board of him. I, I know we've said we'll we'll probably talk about this in the next episode or the one after or whatever but just to slightly touch i don't know if we see this joker in the next film i think we see it later on yeah and if it's like another three years before the next one then three years after that and we've had six years of no joker and then we come back mm. i'm okay with that but if they're looking at like one and a half year turnovers or some stuff and he's in the sequel <laughs> then i have a problem yeah i get i get that i think um, the only reason i say that is because of the way he interacted with the Riddler at the end, making being like, you have a friend. Mm. I wonder if it's more like setting up this idea of like some of the villains are all going to get to know each other. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm here for that. Um, I would like to say, I'm pretty yeah. sure we can safely say that we were right on a lot of things that we predicted. Yeah. Um, um, we, I know we discussed about the idea of the penguin being the middleman uh -huh. and not necessarily being a villain, and I feel like we were right on that. Yeah. Um, what I also enjoyed, sorry, and I've completely forgotten this. Oh, it's fine. kind of, a, I don't want to call it a trope because trope always carries like a negative connotation. It's always kind of a theme in like detective films. So it's a bit of a whodunit, and mm. you don't know who the bad guy is. But obviously, we knew who the bad guy was all along. Yeah. It's the Riddler. So I was kind of curious how they were gonna if they were gonna be able to pull off a whodunit kind of feel, and they did with the whole "Who is the rat?" Yeah, and I really enjoyed the way they did that. I, I don't think people are giving that that yeah, storytelling not... enough credit. I think people have forgot to focus or discuss that point. I I totally agree, and now like now you've mentioned it like that. There was definitely points where, like, I was like, oh, it's, and this is spoilers, which I, we're fine to say anyway at this point, but I fully thought it was going to be the Penguin. Yeah, that's, then, that's what we were supposed to think. We were being led to be the Penguin. I'm like, yeah. this makes total sense. It's, it, yeah, this has got to be. And then it wasn't. I'm like, what the fuck is the rat then? <laughs> And then they were talking about it being like a bird and whatever, and it's like, oh, it's the penguin. And then they set you up beautifully, and then it's like the falcon. And the beauty of it is, it's not a difficult, like, little riddle. Anyone should be able to put it together. But because of the penguin being there, and the penguin being a bird, and the penguin being a very big part of the film and the rogues gallery, your brain instantly goes, it's the penguin. When yeah, we... actually you've got Fal Falcone Falcon sitting right there. And I'm pretty sure at this point, like, Falcone had already been mentioned, but, like, we just... Oh, yeah. Because, it comes into and, and, I mean, it's obviously the, the way that they've done it, and it's filmmaking, like, because they're talking about, oh, it must be the penguin, they put, like, penguins have wings. Like, it automatically directs our focus that way. Um, 
and you don't click straight away that like oh shit it could be someone else well i think it was a really nice balance and although it wasn't i know people are saying it had made them chuckle a couple of times it wasn't a particularly funny film thumb drive made me laugh out loud yeah, the phone dryer was great. I loved, I, 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 I chuckled quite audibly. Like things with like the riddles and hidden things, like oh, parts of his riddles that were just they were just funny and very clever and made total sense as to why the Riddler would do such things. Like the whole phone drive, just it was funny, but like it's like yeah, of course it's, it's of course yeah, he's it's on that. brand. Like it's, it, but, that, that just screams Riddler. So um, add Batman impersonation come in, but watching Robert Patterson lift up a thumb and go thumb drive, <laughs> it, it was just funny. It just is. There's something funny about it in a really then, dark, gruesome way. You usually find going, that's that's quite good from the Riddler. That is. And then he goes, oh, it's encrypted, and he's like, mm, try try the thumb. <laughs> and then it and then it reveals a thumbprint thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just... it all that, but, that then makes it like, oh well, of course the thumbs there, like it all makes sense. Yeah. I um, think, I re- so one other thing, and I touched on it slightly in the non-spoiler part, but like the visual language of this film, I oh, think it's this unparalleled. This is the best version of Gotham we've ever seen. Oh, without a doubt. I love that they were able to sell the idea of it felt modern and relatable enough with certain technology, but it still had that gothic feel that Gotham's supposed to have. And like with the whole uh, Wayne Tower was very gothic architecture and felt, I think I loved that more than the idea of him being in a mansion in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like, I love the idea of him being in like this gothic like uh apartment at the top of Wayne Tower or whatever. Um I also really loved the way that they sold Batman's tech in that it felt very I guess futuristic or top of the line sort of tech, which is what it's meant to be for Batman. Like he's meant to have like this modern. But it felt analog. Like it didn't feel like it was out of place in yeah. the Gotham that they were building. It all felt like high tech, but still had an analog feel. Like the whole thing with the the contact lens, but like he yeah. was watching it on like almost like slide film esque yeah. way of viewing it and printing stuff out. Like I think that was really well done and really well told and sold. Yeah, it's top of the line, but Bruce hasn't managed to get it perfect yet. Yeah, and it still feels like it fits in the world that they're building. Like, it doesn't yeah, feel out of absolutely. place at all. Um, yeah. I, I, I especially loved the entrance of him at the beginning of the film, where you see all these people committing crimes, just like scared of like the darkness in the corner once they see the bat signal. Yeah, I love the... That is, that is Batman's grip on the city. Criminals are up to no good. They see the light go on. They see a dark corner where nothing's moving and they find themselves going, it's too dark and still over there. Yeah, it makes And them, then they psych themselves out. Conscious. Yeah. They're yeah. Like, I know I've just done something that he would screw something up for. Exactly. I also really loved the way that that opening scene is him writing his diary mm-hmm. and it's him like 
narrating what basically what he's just gone on for the night and the idea of like he very clearly explains that like he can't be everywhere and he has to pick his targets and like that idea that like oh why does this happen why don't the batman just go and help him it's like well crime's happening everywhere like he can't be everywhere um, yeah he just needs people to think he's everywhere yeah and they really sold really sold that at the start of the film i love how as well it showed year two october on the diary front cover yeah that he's like keeping a diary for every month well i think like, that's a really easy way to show how obsessed he is with this yeah and like the details and detective side of things because was the was the title of it also not the gotham project or something Yes, it was. It was Gotham Project Year Two, October. Yeah. Um, uh, and I just think that really, really shows the level of obsession. Mm. Um, was, we haven't really talked about it, but I liked how we said like we hoped Alfred is like a helping hand in things, like actual mm-hmm. films. And there's that part where like he comes up after he's had a shower or whatever, and he's full on deciphering a code because of his army days. And yeah. like, that's what he knows and like that kind of he can't help himself but kind of dive into it as well and help him out. I love that. And do you, that. do you know what I loved most about that? The fact that he didn't quite get it, but he gave Bruce what he needed to get there. Yeah. That was masterfully done. It's a case of, okay, Alfred is really helpful and brilliantly intelligent and fantastic, but you know what? Bruce is still just that little bit better. Yeah, and kind of maybe in the sense of like, Bruce just has that slight better understanding of how these villains of Gotham work. Like Alfred, he has the skills and the knowledge, but like his is from military times, like different thinking. Bruce is just as mentally screwed up as the Riddler. Yeah. I also love um, that we, how we talked about in the character profile for Riddler, that he's, I think is more like he's trying to emulate the Batman, and then they fully sold that perfectly in this, of that he yeah. was like, we are the same, and then realises that that's not the case, and then gets upset. <laughs> It, it was it was really really good. Um, I think we do need to move on from it now. Yeah, we'll, we'll, let's be honest. We'll discuss it next week and probably the week after that again, and yeah. then it'll be time for Moon Knight. So, but yeah, we don't we don't want to. Yeah, speaking of Moon Knight, yep. They they released a new little featurette today. Yeah, a couple of uh, two or three hours ago from when we were recording yeah. this. There wasn't a whole lot of new footage in there. There was bits and pieces. A lot of the characters talking. Yeah, there's um, the actors. Ex- sorry, talking. Yeah. A couple of extra shots, and it was one of the. It's a feature where they're like, they're discussing about the show, rather than it just and being a trailer. I think I sent it to you as well, but I've written it down in my notes here. There was one particular quote that I'm super fucking curious about. I don't the tone is Fight Club meets Indiana Jones. I I just like to put on record now that weeks ago when we were talking about Moon Knight. I am pretty certain I said, I wonder if they do this like Fight Club where we you really did. don't you understand did. which character we're looking at 
and then it turns out it's all the same character. But yeah, I don't. They mentioned that. I I love movies. I watch a fuck ton of movies. Fight Club and Indiana Jones are some of my favourite movies. I cannot mentally picture what the fuck the Tony's Fight Club meets Indiana Jones actually looks like. Yeah, I. So but I love my, the sound of it. In my head, it's the idea that we're not going to know. We're going to really struggle to discern between which version of Moon Knight and the characters, which ones we're watching. That's the fuck up part of Moon Knight. And I think the Indi- Indiana Jones tone is like, it's going to go into him trying to figure out where all this is coming from. And like the um, kind of like the more historical stuff is where I think. So, um, alongside this, there was another kind of poster released. Okay. Released that had um, Oscar Isaac like at the front, like gripping his face like he's crazy. And then behind him, he had the Mr. Knight costume and the Moon Knight costume. Okay. Kind of in a similar pose. I am almost certain that Mark Spector has been operating as Moon Knight for a good amount of time. Bearing in mind we're post-blip now, I won't be surprised if they say he started near the beginning of the blip. Okay. Just because of the amount of stuff that he's clearly already been through, mm. I won't be surprised if they play this off as the blip actually caused his um, multiple personality disorder to kind of make itself worse again. Because as I said previously, when he was Mr. Knight, he was kind of um, a bit more mentally stable. Yeah. I won't be surprised if they kind of go, oh, he got to that stage and then this is kind of reset him. So now he's trying to get himself back there again without even realising it. I get you. Yeah, there was something they said in that little feature, which I think is what we've talked about, the idea that they're going to introduce one side of him. Was it yeah. Stephen? And then they're going to introduce you to Mark. Like that, I, we, we touched on that. We wonder if they'll go. Yeah, we discussed on that after the first trailer because of the way it like cut him and he was like like he just woken up and he had a yeah. gun in his hand as well. And we're like, oh, maybe for the first few episodes we only get like one side of him. Steven's point of view. And I, I won't be surprised if it does end up being something similar to that based on the comments in this in this uh featurette. But also... I mean my hype's only getting more for it. Yeah. There was a couple of new shots in that feature as well. There was one where it showed more of him transforming into Moon Knight, mm-hmm. which I thought the visual effects of that looked amazing. And then there was one where like he's falling, and then as he lands, he turns into Mr. Knight. Yeah. So I think we're like we're definitely on the right wavelength, and I'm excited to see like where it unfolds. But I do think you're right in the sense of it's going to be him battling to get back to. Full strength, almost. Yeah, and maybe we just see there's like moments where Mister Knight is what like kind of saves him in a moment. Like it takes something like imminent danger or some something like that that forces Mister Knight to like properly get control again. Yeah, in certain moments, and he's trying to get to a point where he can regularly be in that state. It was good, and it's it's definitely. 
after all the Batman hype for the last month or so, it's it's brought me back. The Marvel just went, "Hey, don't forget about us, Dick Face." <laughs> literally, literally, they're like, "Yeah, we, Batman's been out a few days, but we're we're still here. We have stuff coming." Um, and just like this, we go from how good DC is to. I'm, I'm gonna get angry, guys. I know I shouldn't. I know in the grand scheme of the world, this does not matter. However, late last night in the UK, early this morning, it got announced that Warner Brothers and DC have m- fucked around their film schedule a fair bit. So now The Flash, which was originally supposed to come out in. August 2018 has been delayed once again and won't be coming out until July next year or June next year 2023. What the fuck? Question. Yeah? Is Aquaman 2 still coming out before? Um, It is now coming out before. Originally it was coming out after. So Aquaman's been delayed as well but it's it's been delayed less, so it's now coming out before the Flash. Despite previously, it would have been coming out after the Flash. Do we? And, and obviously, this is very annoying because I wanted Flashpoint as well. But do we think this is more leaning into this rumor that Flashpoint's going to reset things, and rather than the issue we talked about, which is where. Flashpoint resets everything, and then Aquaman 2 comes out, and everyone's like, well, what's the point in this film? This doesn't make any sense anymore. Have they not, Is that forced them to reschedule things around so that Aquaman 2 doesn't just get wasted? I love how much credit you are willing to give them. <laughs> I think it is purely, once again, with The Flash, they aren't sure what fucking story they want to tell. There's more reshoots, there's more problems. And they're just delaying it to try and give themselves time. Um, I think Aquaman is their try. I think maybe this is actually wishful thinking. I'm giving I'm giving Aquaman to zero of my brain power, hundred percent of the time. Um, I I hope that it's because they're getting Amber Heard out and they need to reshoot stuff. If it's mm. not, I don't really care why it's been delayed. That film's not getting my money anyway, so I, I can move on from that. But a film getting delayed this much always makes me worried. I have yet to watch a good film that's been delayed over five years. Yeah, not unless it was for something like COVID or something. Yeah, I can, I, I can give them two years for COVID. Yeah. Cool. But it already got delayed twice before COVID hit. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It is, um, it is a worrying point where it's either, like you say, the story's not decided... Or then it's the other side of things of like they're just not doing the visual effects well and they're having to redo that stuff over and over again because like they can't visually sell what they want to try and sell. Um, which is also a problem because if they half-ass visual effects, it just doesn't work. Especially with the flash. The, yeah, and the flash is such an important character to a lot of people now after the success of CW as a comic book character, he's gotta to be top ten most popular easily. Mm. Um, I think me and you both hold quite an affinity for The Flash mm. I am genuinely worried if they screw up this film that The Flash gets ripped out of live action media for a long time 
just like I'm worried if Morbius flops, we don't get to see Morbius again for a long time. It's yeah. It's, it's, People were ready to give up on the Flash after the original Justice League before Zack Snyder's cut. Yeah, they were because of Josh Whedon's shitty directing of the film. Do you know what? I thought about this last night, and it's obviously very unlikely that this would even happen. But honestly, after seeing the Batman, I would quite happily. If they turn around and announce next month we are scrapping all future storyline plan with DC, we're starting afresh from this new The Batman and this world, and we're going to build out from there, and they start off with a good flash and, I don't know, another film character that another DC character that they haven't done but like I'd love if they just went with this and, and give uh, Matt Reeves yeah just give him the reins because he seems to have done a good job with this give him reins on direction I, I, I do get that feeling I just I'm never all in on giving someone the keys to the city like that Um, I just I want them to fix up look sharp now, all of a sudden, despite they're supposed to be, I think, two films before it, the next DC film we're getting is uh, Life Su- uh, is it Life Super Pets or just DC Super Pets? Yeah. Um, I, and don't get me wrong, don't I, I, I think it's going to be fucking brilliant. I haven't really paid much attention to it other than what you've told me about it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm going to fucking watch it, and I think I'm going to fucking love it. In their most recent trailer, we saw Batman meeting Ace for the first time, and Batman is voiced by Keanu Reeves. I haven't actually seen a trailer for this yet. So the first trailer was about Crypto and Superman. Mm -hmm. So Crypto is voiced by Dwayne Johnson, and Superman is voiced by John Krasinski. In that trailer, we met Ace the Bat-Hound, who is voiced by Kevin Hart. That was all the voices I think we had confirmation on. This second trailer has come out. It's not even really a trailer. It's a very short bit. Um, And Keanu Reeves is the voice of Batman in this film. Okay. I'm just here for it. I I, want to give it a chance. I'm I'm okay with comic book films and animations that don't want to take themselves too seriously. And this looks like it could be doing it in a really fun way. And also, let's remember, comic books were originally designed for kids. Don't get me wrong. A lot of them have very adult themes for adults to enjoy as well. But there still needs to be an entry point for children. Otherwise, when they get older, they're going to go, ugh, I have no interest in that. That's for old people. This seems like a very good way to entice a new generation of children into reading comic books and superheroes and stuff. Yeah. And while it probably won't age very well, I think it's going to be fun. I need to watch, I'll watch the trailer. Because to be honest, I've um, kind of not paid it much attention. But based on what I can tell, the story is the Justice League all lose their powers. All of the Justice League's pets gets their powers and they have to save the Justice League. And so, like the Flash's pet is a turtle. Oh. Yeah. 
Of course it is. Of course it is. It's going to be fun. It's like, going to be fun if nothing why else. Would, why would I'm not saying it's going to be good, but I think it's going to be fun. Um, but yeah. with the new Batman film coming out and Keanu Reeves being Batman in this new film, I think it's time we do our Batman rankings. Okay. So, um, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. We discussed this briefly before we started recording. So I decided I'd write mine down quickly out of the ones we've got on here. Um, and it took me longer than I thought, so I'm glad I um, decided to write it down first. So yeah. what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out the list of people that we have on here. I know there have been other people who have played Batman, but they're not people I've seen enough of to have an opinion on. Um, so we've got Patson, Affleck, Bale, Clooney, Kilmer, Keaton, Adam West, Will Arnett, who voiced Batman in the Lego movies, and then Kevin Conroy, Kevin Conroy, who has basically voiced Batman in everything else animated. I know he hasn't voiced him in literally everything else animated, but in Mm -hmm. my opinion, Kevin Conroy is the voice of animated Batman. Mm -hmm. Okay, you go first, Mr. Horizontal. Are you sorry? You starting at ten? I'm going to preface this nine. Uh, I will. S- Wait, starting at ten or nine? What? Yeah, there's there's nine, but I've written down oh. to ten. <laughs> <laughs> you confused me there so much then. Yeah, uh, I'm just gonna say there is some of the older ones that I don't really have any memory of, and because of that, that has influenced where they go. So if I, <laughs> we'll we'll see. But at the bottom, so the worst. I have Clooney. Um, I know he wasn't well received, and I don't really. I think I may have seen him once when I was younger, but I just don't have any recollection of him. And that, to me, that's like, well, he wasn't memorable enough for me to remember. So he's at the bottom. Uh, then I've got Kilmer um, next, similar. I don't really remember him. This is the problem. I don't. The older ones that I don't remember kind of have just ended up at the bottom. Not Horry being like twice my age and not knowing all of the classic Batmans. Shaking my head, my head. <laughs> I spent my childhood playing RuneScape, not watching many. I mean, to be fair, playing Batman. To be fair, I, I definitely shouldn't have been watching a uh, Kilmer and Keaton's Batman's as a child, but still, we move. Um. Next, moving up, I have Affleck. I didn't, I just didn't really like Affleck. Like, I, maybe it's the work, the the set of films that he's part of, and it just doesn't feel that great. But and maybe it's the fact of coming off Christian Bale, and you go into Affleck kind of sways me away from him. But yeah, didn't not a huge fan of Affleck. Um, then I've got kind of. Um, Keaton and West, kind of the same point. Um, I don't know which... I, I wouldn't necessarily put one above the other, I guess. Um, the, the older Batman ones that I do remember, and I enjoyed them from what I can remember. I should really go back and re-watch all the old Batman films. Um, then I have Conroy... Because I do remember watching some of the animated Batman as a kid. 
and that's obviously kind of what I'm basing it off. Presuming most of what animated Batman I've seen is him. Then I have Honor, because I loved Batman in the Lego movies. I thought he was great. Hilarious. Loved that Batman. It was a lot of fun. Um, then I have Bale. Then Patterson is my number one. Okay, I think that's a very solid list. Um, I don't think you're going to anger too many people. people more than any list will anger people. Yeah. Um, yeah, people are always going to get angry at someone else's list, but I don't think you're, you've done anything especially heinous there. Should have put Clooney as number one. That might have pissed off people. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do mine in reverse order. So I'm going to okay. start at the top. Um, for me, number one is Kevin Conroy. Okay. The man is Batman. Um, he's he's just phenomenal. Um, and it will take a lot for him to ever not be number one for me, I think. Um, two, I've got Patterson. I'm not going to pretend recency bias isn't the thing. In 10 years' time, he'll probably fall down that list. But as of right now, he's my second favourite. Um, I'm not, I'm like I said, I'm not pretending recency bias isn't a thing, but I really, really fucking liked him. Um, next is Bale for me. Again, that's probably a, he was my Batman growing up, so there's a bit of a bias yeah. there. I'm not going to pretend there isn't. But at the same time, he was fucking brilliant. Um, so I don't think anyone's going to mind too much. Some people are probably going to argue he should be higher. Um, next to me is Keaton. I just loved his take on Batman. Adam West is the GOAT, but, I mean, his Batman was very different, which is why he's only five. And this, Horry will remember as I was writing this, I was going, this feels so low, this feels so low. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Onet at six. He was brilliant as Lego Batman. I literally watched the Lego Batman movie the other night, and I really enjoyed it again. Um, yes, it's kid's film, but you know what? It's fucking brilliant. I loved it. Great film. Which is why I felt so bad putting him so low. Val Kilmer was also a good Batman, in my opinion. Feels horrific putting him at seven. Um, but that's what it is. We've actually been quite gifted with Batman actors, I feel. Mm. Um, eight is Batfleck. Had the right look. He had the right energy. I feel like he got let down by bad script. Mm. But that's, that's the way it is sometimes. Um, him not being 100% at fault doesn't get him any up. Doesn't get him any higher up the list, in my opinion. Um, number nine, literally anyone else, and then number ten, George Clooney. That's why you've got um, ten. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Holly, you obviously said you know he wasn't that well received. Let me put it this way: George Clooney, on numerous occasions, and anytime anyone asks him about his time as Batman in interviews. His first response is always, I'm so sorry. He regrets taking the film. He regrets doing the film. He realises now the film was garbage top to bottom. And he says, even if he was given the opportunity to go back and do it right, he'd he'd sooner just not do it at all because he realises how badly he did it. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't get me wrong, as a child, I quite enjoyed the George Clooney film. But again, that was just me watching something for dumb fun. They turned B- Bane into a mindless, just essentially super henchman. Mr. Freeze was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not, uh, uh, he's a good action actor. But guess what? You can't believe the man's a doctor. 
<laughs> you got you got that guy that guy shouting at you, making ice puns constantly. You can't believe that that man is a is supposed to be like a really intelligent supervillain. Um, it's just it's bad. It's really really bad. And I think that film is part of the reason I'm so scared that a bad adaptation of a character, a la Robin, and then not seeing them again for a long time in live action is why I'm so worried about the Flash and Morbius. But um, yeah, yeah, that's my top 10. I've got a feeling mine is actually probably going to cause more arguments than yours, sorry. Um, Possibly. Batfleck fans are, are rough and they won't like him being that low. Um, but yeah, you to be the one that's in the <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, come at me, boys. My, my opinion is all that matters to me, so get fucked. <laughs> um, superhero showdown this week, yes. Um, it's a very easy superhero showdown based on what's going on. Um, this has to be our discussion this week. Um, wheels versus doors. Um, I will go to the grave with this, but wheels only answers as possible. Okay. People say doors are need to go back to school. Exactly. Awesome. Superhero showdown. Wheels wins. Very very simple. <laughs> um, fortunately, as I know, we're both intelligent people. I knew that one would be dealt with pretty quickly. Yes. So we do have another one. <laughs> um, Poison Ivy, which is Horry's pick. Yep. Versus. Storm of the X Men. Mm-hmm. The sky mm. versus the earth. Mm. Gut instinct, sorry. Give me gut instinct. Gut instinct. Probably Storm wins. I. When I wrote Storm down, I thought this would be a good fight. And every time I glance my eyes at it over the course of this recording, that's probably what, about an hour and ten minutes now, mm. I've just slowly gone, ah, shit, this is Storm, isn't it? Yeah. As soon as you said Storm, I'm like, how does this work in Poison Ivy's feet? <laughs> yeah. I don't think Poison Ivy gets absolutely stomped instantly. No. However... One thing I hadn't considered was Ivy is like directly connected to plants. Mm-hmm. Any pain they feel, she feels. So she goes to make a big plant to attack Storm and Storm just fucking electrocutes it with lightning and thunderbolts and shit. She's going to feel all of that. And mm-hmm. um, like Poison Ivy, like she has that natural immunity to poisons and all that stuff, but that doesn't really help her against Storm. No. And and as I'm sitting here, I'm remembering more and more of Storm's feats, i.e., yeah, like interacting with Mjolnir. And I've I've got to be honest, lads, my brain kind of defaulted to OG 2000s X Men film Storm, and not comic book Storm. Um, even though I was thinking comic book Storm, if that makes sense. Um, I know what I mean. And just as I'm sitting here, I'm slowly and slowly in more disbelief that I thought this would be an even fight. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... I'm going to go ahead and say a long week like, and not having a lot of time to come up with this has thrown me off. 
It's a good job I told you my pick before the episode. Because if I had told you you, mm. then you went, Storm, I think this will be an even fight. And then we'd have gotten to discussing it and you would have been like, ah. Yeah. About that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... I think it's, it's just to say we both Storm... agree Storm wins. So. Yeah, Storm's more powerful. She can fly, she can control the weather. Yeah. I think the only way just to play a bit of like from Poison Ivy's side, I think the only way that she gets any slight upper hand is she can do a bit of mind control shit. Is if she mm. caught Storm off guard at the beginning and maybe could like fuck her up a bit then before she loses control of her. But then Storm will just fuck her. If Storm didn't know she was about to have a fight and Poison Ivy was instigating the fight, mm. I think Ivy hurts her a bit. Yeah, she gets like a little upper hand and fucks her up a but, bit. Yeah, this is a rough one. I fucked up, boys, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why my brain thought this was going to be so much more of an interesting fight. You um, never know. There might be some big Poison Ivy farm that wants to argue that Poison Ivy wins. Yeah, honestly. Give me, give us your best arguments in the comments as to why Poison Ivy would win this fight. Spoiler alert, she would not. <laughs> um, but I'd be really curious to see if anyone can give me any points as to... Like, I feel like the what we've just said about the fact that Poison Ivy can kind of charm people and yeah. you know, mentally take over, like, that's the only upper hand I can think of her, her getting on Storm. Yeah. Yeah, Storm's the Queen of Wakanda, though. It's kind of, it's kind of just a one-way street, <laughs> well, I'm really isn't shit it? The bed here. I'm going to be completely <laughs> honest. I'm completely shit the bed. I think this is um, the first superhero showdown where it's just like they just lose. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just me, just slowly dawning on me how unfair a fight I've created. We really need to put this bracket together and seed people. Um, yeah. so that we can try and like a not have to come up with this last minute to avoid shit like this every week, but also so that we're slowly building towards something. Um, <laughs> I think that's it from us now. Yeah, Jesus Christ, this was such a well put together episode. Apart from the last ten minutes. Um. Okay, so. Exciting news. I got a GPU today. Fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. So um, Operation PC is underway. So hopefully in the not too distant future, we're going to be seeing some upgrades to the quality of the podcast. Um, in quite substantial ways, hopefully. Um, as always, please like the video if you're watching this on YouTube. Rate the podcast if you're listening elsewhere. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, we had a slow week on the TikTok and YouTube pages because I didn't edit any shorts for last week just because life has been crazy. Yeah, um, and it was a good week of rest. It was a good week of rest, actually, and I feel a lot more energised to get back to editing some videos. Um, but there's lots of content. Every day now, we've got a medium-length video or a full episode, as well as two or three shorts. There's, yep. there's no reason, if you don't want to sit and listen for an hour, 
and you've somehow got to here. Options. Um, you have options. Um, maybe we'll take this little bit of me rambling at the end and make that somewhere so people can realise they're not expected to listen to the whole hour in one go. Um, but yeah, follow us on all of our socials. We're cutscene combos everywhere. It's literally impossible not to find us if you want to. Um, and have a lovely, lovely weekend. Yes, I'll catch you next week.